Hey everybody, welcome to episode 25 of Two Views Movies Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, a spoiler-filled podcast by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And today we are doing our first ever retro review. We kind of heard that people were maybe a little tired of not being able to listen to the podcast for movies that we go see in theaters so quickly and wanted us to take a look at some older movies and threw it out on Facebook and got some good responses. Yeah, and this one comes from Travis and he recommended The Rock. Yeah, and we cherry-picked a little bit. There was a lot of different suggestions out there. and A lot that we didn't want to watch. Yeah, a lot, <laughs> a few that I hate. But we also had some, some good ones. I saw somebody mention Rad. I about lost my mind. I kind of wondered if they had seen that or heard the episode first. But yeah, we definitely cherry-picked this one. We're going to be doing more of these, but we wanted to get one out of the way. And going back and revisiting an old movie, we both found one that is kind of in our wheelhouse. It's an action movie from the 90s. It seems like it should be easy for us to talk about. I personally hadn't seen it in years. So I was like, oh, that sounds good. I can go back and revisit that. It had been a while for sure. Yeah. So The Rock. The Rock. Not your, not Dwayne. Not your man crush. Not Dwayne. But instead we get... Stanley Goodspeed. Oh, man. What a terrible way to start. <laughs> Just an awful, awful way to start. For those of you that maybe don't remember The Rock... You know, these long blurbs kill me, but we're going to go through it. FBI chemical warfare expert Stanley Goodspeed is sent on an urgent mission with a former British spy, John Patrick Mason, to stop General Francis X. Hummel from launching chemical weapons on Alcatraz Island into San Francisco. I feel like half these are run-on sentences. General Hummel demands $100 million in war reparations to be paid to the families of slain servicemen who died on covert operations. After their SEAL team is wiped out, Stanley and John deal with the soldiers on their own. You know, these blurbs are killing me. I, I'm going to have to start writing my own. I could I could get the rock down to about a sentence if I just tried. Yeah, Stanley Goodspeed, a chemical super freak. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> it's directed by Michael Bay, which he's very, very popular, but when you look at his filmography, it's pretty trash. All the Transformers, Bad Boys 1 and 2, Pain and Gain, and 13 Hours. I mean, there's other ones here and there. but They're not very deep movies. No, he's. I mean, Michael Bay is known for blowing stuff up. Right. The cast is Sean Connery, Ed Harris, Nick Cage, and a lot of what we call, you know, quote unquote, that guys. Guys that you, you know, you recognize. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, I see him in everything. Yeah. And I don't know his name. No. And we, we just call him that guys. Yep. Oh, it's that guy. <laughs> it's that guy from that thing. Yeah. So what did you think after revisiting it? I mean, I, I remember liking The Rock and thinking back in the day that it was a really good action movie. Does it still hold for you? I like it. I like it because there's so many quotable lines, especially if you play games like Halo and Call of Duty and you're with your friends and they know The Rock. You, you quote it a lot. Sure. There's, there's a lot of a lot of timely timely quotes in there. Right, but that that's not saying it's a good movie. That's it's, saying it's, it's, it's more it's nostalgia fun. than anything. <laughs> it's fun to reference. It, it is. I, I love Ed Harris and I love Sean Connery. I don't love Nick Cage, but I'm okay with him as Stanley Goodspeed because he's not trying to be a badass. No, so he's just a spaz. Yeah, he's 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 a scientist. Yeah. And so and he acts like a scientist. He does. That's why I just paused just a second. I was like, I'm not really a scientist. He acts he acts not like a bad. He acts like Nick Cage. Yeah. When you when you compare him to Cameron Poe, who in Con Air, yes. you know, that that's a very different role, and that's one that does not suit him. Does any role suit Nick Cage? No, but this is this is closer to his 
to what he should do. I don't know. Leaving Las Vegas when he's white trash, you know, that, that's, that's, that's can, a role that suits I can get him behind a little bit that. better. I can get behind that. You, you can't? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I'm saying gotcha. that, that one fits. Uh, yes. No, you know, it absolutely if, does. If you want to play white trash Nicolas Cage, drunk, <laughs> you know, whatever. That, that, because that, it, I mean, that's what he was in Raising Arizona, too. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, that's actually what I meant. Did I say leaving Las Vegas? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, ra- he's not me. really white trash, but he's a, a drunk in leaving Las Vegas. So I just yeah. assumed that that's how you were correlating it. No, I was going Raising okay. Arizona. Yeah. Thank you. Thank well, that's you a great that. movie, Raising Arizona. It's okay. It's my favorite Nick Cage movie. Ooh. I blame this movie for being the gateway drug to Nick Cage in action movies. If you look at his filmography, before this, he hadn't done action movies. But after The Rock, he turned that immediately into, I forget the order, but Face Off and Con Air. He basically parlayed this into two more action roles. But this isn't really him doing action. Well, no, but it's an action movie. He just wasn't in action movies before this. I mean, he gets an action role. I mean, he's in there shooting guns and doing, you know, taking down Navy SEALs. I mean, Sean Connery's doing all the work, but I mean, he's there. Sure, I've had, you know, two weeks weapons training. Yeah, <laughs> this movie is, it's so funny to me how, I, you know, I feel like in the 80s, action movies weren't as formulaic as the 90s. And I think that's because action movies in the 80s were just kind of coming into their own. So they were all kind of, different in their own way but by the end of the 80s and rolling into the 90s they'd all kind of figured out what works they had all kind of the studios had perfected their formulas for action movies by the time the end of the 80s came and schwarzenegger had pumped out a lot and stallone was pumping out a lot and so the 90s just became how many different variations on this formula can we do and the rock is just formulaic to no end there's a lot of stereotypes in, yeah in the rock oh it's it's just but, but it's hard for me to think of what came first you know, and sure. so, so I'm trying to picture, you know, yeah, oh, that's, of course, there's a, a water truck that happens to be in the street where they, yeah. they hit it with the Hummer and it goes everywhere. You know? right. So it looks, but I was like, was that the first one that, that did that? <laughs> no, <laughs> or I mean, that, that's an I, old I, Hollywood I know, thing, I, I'm, I'm just, uh, things like that. But that it's, car chase scene is ridiculous. It, it's not just one water truck. I mean, oh, no. there's it's... all sorts of stuff going through the middle of the street as he's going down. <laughs> there's a handicap race, so they're all in yeah. wheelchairs, it's, and there's an old lady crossing the street. Yeah, and it's way too long. It goes on. It, I don't know if this is accurate. I should have actually timed it. It felt like five minutes, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're watching a car chase scene in a movie that we're not talking good car chases, right? It's not like, I don't know, the first one that pops in my head is like the Raid 2, where they're like fighting in the cars and doing all this weird stuff. This is just... <laughs> stuntmen driving down the street chasing each other and then quick shaky cam close-ups of sean connery and nick cage in their respective vehicles and william forsyth narrating yeah that's true he's hitting everything in his path trying to block us thanks you know like we need we needed that to know what sean connery was doing you need that bit to tell you exactly what you're saying it's it's funny is it doesn't even match his mouth they added that in later yeah if you watch him with the uh was the car radio over his mouth? He's not saying that at all. No, and then it ends. I think with a, a street car getting tipped over on its side, yes. and I think the street car blows up. And I remember thinking it, to myself, like, it, did it, it, it crushes the what Lamborghini? Or yeah, Ferrari. But I remember explicitly, and thinking, then it explodes straight up in the yeah. air. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself as I watched that, like, did we see everybody jump off of that, or are we just okay with those people dying? And Michael Bay was like, forget it. And so. We, I did. I didn't care enough to rewind it and find we out. We did see everybody jump off, and then just okay. the driver was was last. Yeah, and he comes over, and I think makes some you know one liner yeah. joke. But I will say that scene, I think, because I can't point to anything else as a kid, really made me love Humvees. 
Yeah. That, that became my, my car of choice. Right. My, my dream car, if I ever had an extra $120,000, <laughs> you know, I, I'd want a Hummer because I could drive through a wall if right. I needed to. Not, not that I need to, but if I ever did, I could do that in a Hummer. <laughs> right. Well, and that's when they got big, right? Because mid-90s is when, like, Arnold started showing up at Planet Hollywood and Hummers and stuff. And right. They weren't actually mainstream yet. So the people that did have them, you know, you're like, oh my God, there's a Hummer. And then by like, you know, 2005, you're like, everybody's got Hummers now. Well, those are the H2s and the H3s. You know I'm I mean, talking though, original, yeah. you know, <laughs> sure, military sure. grade Hummer. <laughs> I think what I like about this movie is I put Sean Connery as James Bond in my head. And so it w- it's basically James Bond got caught being yeah. a spy. They disavowed him and he's been in prison ever since. I mean, I know it's not MI6, but it's... They say he's an SAS agent. Right. That's how I envisioned his character. Like, yeah. Okay, we have James Bond over here who, you know, I like James Bond. I like Sean Connery as James Bond. Yeah. And then he's him again, which yeah. you, you didn't get anymore because we had moved on to, to other Bonds by then. Right. That's how I envisioned the movie being created. And I think that's kind of what, what they did as well without saying James Bond. But it seemed to work that way. Right. But they do give you his whole file rundown at some point, right? Masons? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing that that's the one thing that always kills me. I think we talked about this on a previous episode, but I, I they did that with all three characters in this movie. They did like the uh we need the best chemical weapons expert that we have. And it just cuts to Nick Cage on top of the roof with his girlfriend, right? Like it's just cheesy stuff like that. Or with Ed Harris, it's like they list all the things that he's done in his military career. Like, Oh my God, this guy's the most distinguished military man that we have. And they do the same thing with Sean Connery. Cause like he's an SAS agent that was wrongfully imprisoned and every, and those scenes kill me. Three right? purple hearts and the congressional medal of Jesus. Right. This yeah. guy's a hero. Yeah. It, it's those, <laughs> those are peak nineties. Yeah. I mean, they did it in the eighties too. Cause I, I think that's, they think they do it in like first blood part two or something like that, but it just became part of what you do. Like the Casey Ryback, he's more than just a cook. Like everybody in the nineties just did that. You have to read the file. Yeah. You have right. to read the file and know who you're dealing with. <laughs> it's so cheesy how <laughs> they do that. I think when you see a movie like this, you kind of know this, but like Nick Cage, Sean Connery and Ed Harris, are they really making Ed Harris the bad guy? And then he kind of is, but he kind of isn't right. He's the, he's the bad guy with morals. So he's Yes, he's holding America hostage, but he's doing it to pay back military veterans who haven't been paid the money that they need, right? And then at some point he fires the missiles and sends them off, you know, blows them up off the side because he doesn't want to actually do it. So it, it, you walk into it being like, really? Uh, every, everybody's good in this movie. It's just, he, he's a sympathetic yes, you know, villain. Which you knew they were going to do when it's Ed Harris in the mid-90s. Ed Harris, I doubt, had ever been a bad guy at that point. I don't think, well, see, when I watched it the first time, obviously I was a kid, so yeah. I, think I, I think this may be a, been the first Ed Harris movie I've ever seen. No way. The Abyss. Well, I don't think I saw that before The Rock. Oh, my God. I saw The Abyss, like, shortly after it came out. Yeah, I, I don't know when The Abyss came out, but it was definitely much later than its release. Okay. But I think this started my, my love affair with, with Ed Harris. You have a love affair with Ed Harris? I think, yeah, I think I do. I think I, I like him in almost everything he's in. Well, uh, that's fine. He's just not somebody I would say like, "Oh, I love Ed Harris." I don't have a man crush like I do. You with said the love Rock. affair. Yes, <laughs> with his yeah. Uh, again, I'm trying to picture. Uh, I don't necessarily like him in Westworld. Yeah, and I don't know if it's, he's just too old to be what a badass. But I always picture him as as Hummel. You know, every yeah. time I picture Ed Harris, I don't picture him in Apollo 13. You know, I don't. 
you know, it, it's this general Hummel that I that I put in my head. Oh yeah, see, I'm the I, I think of the Abyss. I think of Apollo 13. I think of uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. See, all those I saw after The Rock. Oh, me too. But it's just I those roles stand out to me so much. I even think of Appaloosa. For some reason, that's where my head always goes is Appaloosa, which isn't even all that great of a movie. Enemy at the Gates is what I go second. Oh, Enemy at the Gates and is I really, really like him good. In that. Yeah. And so I have these two kind of badass personas of Ed Harris. Right. And then, but that's another one where he's bad, but they kind of make him sympathetic, I think. Yeah. He's, a he's, he's, he's definitely a, not a, a bad guy. Well, he's a German sniper for the Nazis. Which is bad. Right. But I forget how they, it's been too long since I've seen that to know how they set that up to where he, you don't feel as bad for him. He's like an honorable Yeah, exactly. Sniper, Again. If you can have such <laughs> yeah, a thing. Bad guy with morals. Right. Yeah. So I get what your point is, but the, uh, if you knew Ed Harris going in, which yeah. if you're watching this now, you would. But yeah, I, I like the way they did that. He wasn't just a one dimensional bad guy that's trying to, you know, get a ransom money. He actually had a motive. And it didn't work, and he was ready to call it quits, but Candyman wouldn't let him. Right. <laughs> One of the many that guys. Although, yeah. Candyman's not really a that guy, because he's Candyman. He's Candyman. He has a name. And and his name is Tony Todd, which I don't That's know why awesome. I've always remembered his name, just because it's... It's an easy name to remember. It, it is. And he's also the Rocket Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that Those lines are so bad. I mean, I just jotted down a few of the lines that were really bad in here. There's... What you just said, have you heard the Elton John song, Rocket Man, and before he launches the guy with a the rocket? There's the, <laughs> how in the name of Zeus's butthole did you get out of your cell? Which I'm not doing it any justice. Nick Cage is so over the top when he says it. Then Sean Connery's dropping random ones like between a rock and a hard space. It's like... A hard case. Uh, I think it's you're, hard space. No, it's because you're, you're between the rock and a hard case. I think I went back and looked at it after you said that. Because I think you said that when we were tra- chatting on the side. But I don't know. Either way, this movie's I gotta, I gotta look that up. This now. movie's filled with one liners. Just yeah, constantly. They don't losers stop. Losers always talk about their best. <laughs> yeah. It is it is nonstop and it is just a stereotypical action movie. So I can definitely see how people loved it in the nineties. You know, in terms of how it holds up now, it's just it feels like watching to, this maybe this is going too far. It feels like when I watch which I did watch today, double impact. Like I liked it as a kid. When I watch it now, I'm like, okay, it's not, it's not really a good movie, but there's part of me that likes it from when I'm a kid. And there's enough storytelling and action here that you know, if it's on, just eat a eat a bowl of popcorn and watch The Rock and turn your mind off for a minute. So, what's your favorite scene in The Rock? Um, I don't, I don't know. It didn't really have a memorable scene for me. Nick Cage, just laughing at Nick Cage is probably the best thing about the movie for me. It, there's things that I can laugh at, like the ridiculousness of it, like. When Sean Connery dangles the guy over the edge of the building with rope he found in the shower, or <laughs> thirty foot long or rope how he found he's, in the shower, yeah, he's able to carve a circle in the double sided mirror. I believe using a quarter, a smashed quarter. Yeah, but I mean, it's so absurd. It's like, but then it didn't even break there. He just put his elbow through it. Yeah, it didn't even break in the circle. No, I know, but it's stuff like that that this kind of movie is. You have to turn your brain off because don't. Just don't start asking questions, right? Don't ask why he can do that. You know, why he can use a smashed quarter to take apart double pane glass or how he's James Bond. Right. Or how he can dangle another human being off the side of a building with a shower. It's just, if you start to ask why, just stop watching the movie. You have (laughs) to turn your brain off. Well, I think my favorite scene is one that I feel like doesn't belong in the movie. 
and that's the when they enter through the shower room. And they have Michael Bean and his SWAT team, and they're covered from an elevated position on top. And that and that exchange between Ed Harris and Michael Bean, you're they're going back and forth, and it feels like this is a real movie, yeah. you know, outside of what you know Nick Cage is doing. You yeah. Know, but but that scene right there, uh, I really I really like that. That well, because it feels like uh, another Michael Bean movie, Navy Seals. It feels like an actual action movie inside of a really weird escape movie, like inversely escape movie. Right, yeah, because you have combat going on right in the middle of the movie, and it's a Mexican standoff between two sides of the military. And yeah, it's you're right; it's definitely the two different perspectives, and they're going back and forth. The two yeah. military guys they both respect each other, and then yeah, well, I think it's probably because it's the only time in the movie that you don't know really what's going to happen. Because you've got honestly, you've got Michael Bean, who's a pretty big guy at that time, especially right. Mm-hmm. So maybe we need to. I mean, Michael Bean's kind of a that guy. I would say so. But he's way more than a that guy. Like it's only. I guess what I'm trying to say Terminator. Is, <laughs> he's recent Terminator. Well, right, but he's recent Terminator. He's in the Abyss. He's um, Johnny Ringo in Tombstone. So he's been in an alien. In aliens. aliens, yeah. So he's been in so many things that he deserves to be more than a that guy because he's like the star in those movies or one of the stars. But he's still kind of a. But that he's guy. a that guy. Yeah. Yeah, but so he comes in. Which at first I thought, so when I rewatched this, I actually had written down in my notes, I'm like, oh, Michael Bean's not a soldier. What's happening? Because when they first show him, he's in uh, his military dress, formal dress, but he's talking to the Pentagon guy. I'm going to say the Pentagon guys, whoever. And I'm like, oh, wow, he's actually like an officer. You know, he's not going to be a <laughs> grunt out there because he's always a grunt. And then he goes out and has to go out to Alcatraz and fight. But yeah, you, I think it's the only time in the movie where like you're not quite sure what's going to happen. Because I think you know in the end, heading into The Rock, right? Like, Sean Connery and Nick Cage are coming out on top. There's no right. way the whole city's getting blown up. So the one scene where you're not really quite sure what's going to happen is when Ed Harris and his guys are standing off against Michael Bean and his guys. You're like, oh, wow, what's really going to happen here? So you have old Marines versus new Marines. And yeah. They're, and they're facing off, and they're both telling their side of the story. Yeah, and Michael Bean has enough star power. We're like, are they really going to kill him? You know, I don't know. And then and they, then they get do. slaughtered. They're but, covered from an elevated position. But again, Ed Harris, bad guy with morals. How did the gun trying to stop? How it. did the gunfire start? You remember with a rock? A rock fell. Yes, exactly. I thought it was gunfire. Right. And they all started. So even when up. Ed Harris guys kill people, it was well, an accident. There are some people that are itchy trigger <laughs> <Yeah>. fingers. <laughs> right. Candyman. Yeah. And the other guy. You're right. That's a good scene. Uh, as far as like actual movie making goes. Right. But for sheer entertainment, it's just basically any time Nick Cage opens his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that was the highlight for me. He has all the guns now, sir. <laughs> it's so bad. So I have to go back to William Forsyth, who is, I don't even think if he qualifies as a that guy. Oh, he does. He's, he's it, terrible. I, w- I would say for people like me and you, he's definitely a that guy. General audience? Yeah, I don't he know. He didn't even qualify as that. If you watched 80s action movies, then yeah, sure. But uh, you know what struck me about him in this, though, is he was a good guy. He was a good guy. Like I kept watching The Rock because I didn't. I genuinely did not remember. And I was like, "Oh, he, he's going to be a bad cop at some point, right? He's going to get exposed for something in this plot." Or I, and I don't know how that was even going to work. I just see him, and it was like when we talked about Powers Booth in an episode before. Like, yeah, he's always a bad you're guy. bad. Don't even try and fool me. You're bad. Well, he sucks, and he <laughs> well, su- yeah, he does. And, and he sucks in every scene. Every scene, it's like he is the only one that doesn't know how to act. And he, I, I truly feel like every scene he ruins. Yeah. Like you just remove his character, and 
it's like he's truly reading a a cue card and he's adding some extra words that just doesn't it just doesn't make it doesn't make sense for him right you know and he's it, so I, I encourage you if you're watching the not just pinpoint he's the one with the mustache and the slick back hair and if you're watching it just like gosh if he wasn't in this scene this would be a much better scene yeah look at all the cops and if you see one that you think is a dirty cop that's him that's him <laughs> So I looked up a few of the other guys. So there's uh, David Morse. He was he's that guy. He's in Twelve Monkeys, and he's one of the officers in Green Mile. Yep. There's John. Okay, so I'm saying the names like we would know this, right? right. John C. McGinley is one of the Bobs from Office Space. And yeah, he's, he's in lot. You in, definitely he's in Scrubs. Him. Yeah. Which I never saw Scrubs. What's funny to me about him though is that he, even when I've seen him in other movies, so he's also in Point Break. He's uh, Gary Busey and Johnny Utah's boss. He's always kind of a snobby little prick. Well, he's in Nothing to Lose as well. He's one of the bad guys in Nothing to Lose. Right, but in this one... Martin he, Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. But in this one, he's a, he's like a military guy. Like, he's actually one of the infantry guys, which right. is such a weird casting for me. He's He does not strike me as somebody that you would say, oh, we need some military guys. Let's, let's put him in there. Well, he's a big guy. No, I know, but just every other role he's ever played has always been kind of like the just snotty, kind of sniveling... He reminds me of like an updated version of the stupid reporter from Die Hard. <laughs> That's what he kind of reminds. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? No, I mean I know I know what you're saying. I don't yeah. agree with what you're saying. I, I don't make that comparison. I feel like that's the kind of character he likes to play. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and then we talked about Mike Michael Bean, and then there's Bokeem Woodbine, who yeah, I feel like I've seen him, and I have seen him in a lot of stuff. But when I went through his filmography, I was like, well, I can't really. I don't know anybody else has ever seen any of these movies. So the best thing I wrote down for him was he's in the new Spider-Man. He's well, he's in the big hit yeah, with Marky Mark. Right. But how many of our listeners have True. seen the big hit? So I had to find Hopefully one. Hopefully all of them. Right. I had to find one that I could latch on to. He, so he's the black guy who's the right-hand man of Michael Keaton in Spider-Man Homecoming. He's the shocker. Oh, is that what they call him? That's his name. Okay. Yes. I didn't know that, but just he's that guy. Yeah. And he's the... I'll take pleasure in gutting you, boy. <laughs> yeah, this it was pretty awesome to go see. Anytime you can see like a collection of all these guys, where and there's even a few we didn't mention. Like I'm pretty sure the Latino guy, one of them is the guy in either uh, the substitute. Well, I don't know. I think it, I, now I'm getting substitute. a mix up in my head. One of them may or may not have been also in Under Siege, and then one of them may have been in either crimson tide or one of them was tuco i can't remember from breaking bad i can't yeah uh, okay yeah. tuco is also in uh, the substitute yeah because yeah. i was i was massively doing some like imdb searching on the side as i was watching this and tuco's in training day yeah yeah yes so yeah it uh, that's the kind of thing that only what only people like us i think watching a movie <laughs> like this like i i can't tell you how much i was on imdb this movie I'm like oh my god what what else has this guy been in because when you see him it's crazy how you can't process like immediately even with all the movies that we've seen like where have i seen that like i knew with uh with william forsyth i knew he was in a seagal movie but all seagal movies are the same so i could not pinpoint which one it was right. so then i was adamant that I, okay i gotta go find out what it is out for justice and by the time he's off the screen then i'm seeing another guy it was just rapid fire. And all those guys are, if you ever play, you know, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, and you use one of these people, and people hate you. You know, I don't know his name, but they're both in. Yeah. <laughs> they're both in The Rock and The Substitute, and <laughs> you somehow string together that that chain, which is a great game if you guys don't play that. Yeah. I love playing that game. Somebody should make a game where, like, you flip over a card, and it's a that guy, and you have to see how many movies you can name that he's been in. <laughs> <laughs> or, or she, yeah, or that guy or that gal, and 
I feel like there's not that many that gals. Yeah, there is. I feel like the ones that I see, I know who they are. Maybe. I, I think we could do a pretty good... I'd like to see Especially that Especially if you go back into the 80s and 90s. Yeah. I think we could... I'd like to see that, that list, for sure. Yeah, we should we should bring that into another... Re- I'm sure the more we go with these retro reviews, the more <laughs> we're going to start uncovering a lot, of, uh, a lot of that guys and that gals. A couple other notes I had. The underground minecart scene was ridiculous. Just so over the top. It, it, it was basically the underground minecart scene, a version of the car chase scene. Yeah, uh, I just pictured Temple of Doom. Oh, yeah. The, the whole time it's in there, it's just, well, yeah. this, is just, this is just Temple of Doom. <laughs> yeah, Temple of Doom, but somehow worse. Um, the other thing I noticed was I was sitting there, and I immediately knew who did the score to this movie because it sounded just like Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, it does. Yeah, and so... I knew that it was Hans Zimmer, and then I went and started looking it up. I'm like, okay, yeah, it is Hans Zimmer. And then I found other people online saying, has anybody ever noticed how some of these Hans Zimmer movies sound like the same? And it was The Rock and Pirates of the Caribbean, and I think a couple other movies from the 90s where I guess he and all composed himself. Yeah, well, all composers kind of do it because I was watching, I've been watching the Indiana Jones movies lately and then the Star Wars and uh, something else. And I, John Williams is like, whoa, that is... Superman? Yeah, I didn't watch Superman, but there's a few John Williams things that are on the nose. Like, it's not the main themes necessarily. It was like um, it was like when Indy was young, they were playing a song, and it sounded really very similar to, like, the Han Solo theme from, like, Empire Strikes Back or something. It's just... It was weird. So anyway, when I was watching this, I immediately... it, it You know when you can pick composer out that they're a little too you know on the nose with their score so i thought that was interesting that i was able to kind of figure that out the the last thing i noticed was and i wrote this down was that the scene where nick cage has to stab himself in the heart so they set this up or they set it up earlier in the movie because they have a leak inside and that that scene so ridiculous where they had the leak inside the lab or whatever and he's all calm and the acid yeah it's yeah. miserable but they set it up later because they're telling the one guy to inject himself in the heart which i feel like michael bay saw pulp fiction and was like yeah i gotta have a scene where a guy needs to stab himself in the heart was that after pulp fiction was before the rock okay. yeah but when nick cage has to do this at the end of the movie he stabs himself in the belly button <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's at, I, I wouldn't say belly button but it's at most like diaphragm level yeah, and it, he, it's by no means close well, to And it his wouldn't heart. be that bad. I'm not even talking about like when they show him stabbing himself. I'm talking about like he lays there with it in him and they take like an overhead view of him and it's it's like at his rib cage. I was like, can we not at least pretend that it's near his heart? Maybe it was a different toxin. So no. it had to do in this heart. The, I think the point was that he had to get it into his heart. <laughs> but either way, I was just, there's so many things I could have pulled out, but that one just made me laugh, especially because it was, it was did, at the end of the movie. I, I did was, notice that too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I have anything else about The Rock. No, I I enjoyed it. You know, it's not good. I'm not going to put it there, but I enjoy it if you just want to, again, turn your mind off yeah. and, and just... So what'd you rate it then? I gave it a three. Oh, okay. I thought I saw you give it a four. If I did, it doesn't deserve a four. Okay. I may have enjoyed it as a four just from okay. nostalgia, but it's a three. Okay. Yeah, me too. It, it, it's it's a three movie. I was because I I kind of like scratched my head and, I, and maybe I'm getting it confused with like the average Letterbox rating because Letterbox I think the you know on the histogram that it shows I think it was out of four. I'm like, how many? How much of this is nostalgia? How much of this is like people really think it's a good movie? Now, I think I we we kind of rattled off the Michael Bay movies at the beginning. I don't remember if I said this then, but it's the best Michael Bay movie. Uh, that is not saying much. Did you find what you gave it? 
I did give it a four. <laughs> I, <laughs> I did get a so. four. So that was my immediate reaction after yeah. watching uh after watching it, I gave it a four. It's probably I'll split the difference. I'll say <laughs> okay, three, three and, and a half. half. <laughs> that's I'll, that's fair. I'll split the difference there. That's fair. I'll, I think I'll that, make uh, my amends right now. <laughs> I was at a three. I, I could not get myself to go any higher than a three. I just it's fine. It's fine. I, I don't think I would ever seek it out again. Even if it's on TV, I, I mean I might leave it there for a bit. Now, I would watch it with a group of friends to laugh at because I think it has a lot of qualities that you could really pick apart. Like, I actually think it would be kind of funny to do like a Nick Cage trilogy in one night to do like Face Off, Con Air, and this. I don't think this one's as bad as Con Air. No, it's not. You're right. I'm just thinking, I don't think there's that many laughably bad scenes to it. It's It's just the fact that you'd be getting a dose of Nick Cage. In, true. In like peak Nick Cage. Well, I think, you know, you watch something that is peak Nick Cage. True. Yeah. Um, but like I just watched Karate Kid Part 3. Yeah. And that is chock full of. Sure. Of just so bad it's funny. Yes. And but this is a different. My goal would be to get like as much exposure to ridiculous Nick Cage in one night. <laughs> and this seems like the good blend of like action. The face off, Con Air, The Rock. I mean, you can maybe swap one out. Like, swap out The Rock with, like, Gone in 60 Seconds or something. I mean, you could go really bad Memphis and do, Rains. like, you know, Wicker Man and Ghost Rider. I mean, you could really, really go bad. But I'm Bangkok Dangerous. Yeah, I'm trying to find that sweet spot of, like, kind knowing. of tolerable, but still Nick Cage being a spaz. That's that's what I would go for. Why do I know all of his names? <laughs> Why do you Cameron know all his characters? Poe, nobody, Memphis Reigns. Nobody can forget Cameron Poe. Stanley Goodspeed. <laughs> These are these are buried into my mind somewhere that they just too uh, much exposure to Nick. He he got big at the right time for us. Yeah, it, it was junior high and high school. Caster so, Troy. Yeah, that's <laughs> that. You know, John Woo, him and John Travolta. I mean, who who wouldn't have loved that movie when we were younger? So <laughs> Nick Cage is just kind of the the he had the right time, right? Yeah, right career at the right time, and it just so happened to coincide with when we would have been infatuated with those kinds of movies. So I say thank you, Travis, because this has been on my wall for a while and uh, I haven't, <laughs> haven't busted it out for quite some time. So. Yeah, I mean, and it was it was fun going back and watching an old movie because, I mean, it's not like you and I don't watch old movies. Right. We only podcast about new movies because it's fresh in our mind. It's what we think people want to hear because they want to know should they go see something or not, which, you know, it's tough when we talk about spoilers, but we definitely spend way too much time watching old movies too. I mean, actually, the, the ratio is probably, I probably watch three or four old movies for every one new movie probably yeah on on a given week or whatever so yeah i i definitely like that we're going to start doing these a little bit more and i think we definitely want to hear from other people we have a pretty good list going right now on facebook that i think we can call a few movies from but we might put a put a call out for some more i think so I think we're going to have a couple more of these. We'll start doing them a little bit more frequently. So if you liked it and you wanted to hear more and want to be able to listen to things that you don't have to rush out to the theater to go see, keep an eye out because we'll be, we'll be putting out some more of these. As usual, if you liked what you heard, go out to the Apple Store and rate us. Go to Google Play. Leave us a review there. That would be great. Or if you have comments or suggestions, things you want us to hear, tackle more top fives, less top fives, different kinds of episodes, We love talking movies, so we're open for anything. So just find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the above, twoviewsmovies at gmail.com. I'm babbling long enough. We'll catch you next time.